listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. now and I'm going to ask you to pray because as we say each week we're going to sow the word we're going to give the word but it's our responsibility we see in scripture to prepare the soil the heart to receive the word dear heavenly father we pray God right now God that you would touch each and every one of our hearts right now that God, we would truly know, God, who you are. God, maybe right now we, we kind of have a sneaking suspicion. Maybe, God, we don't like what we think that you are. But God, I pray by the end of this message, by the end of tonight, God, every one of us would know the love that you are, the peace, the Savior, the Redeemer, the friend, the love, the comfort, the strength that you are. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, high five three people around you and say, he's the Christ. He's the Christ. He's the Christ. So great to have each and every one of you here tonight as we celebrate the most important weekend in our Christian faith. Let me say that again. We are celebrating the most important weekend in our Christian faith. You may say, well, hold on a second. He first had to be born, speaking, of course, of Christmas. But here's what I would say. His birth would have counted for nothing if he hadn't have chosen to die for you and I. He would have just lived on this earth and died like every one of us. But because he chose to give his life freely, it changes everything. And really, it's a good Friday. I was listening to K-Love today and they were talking about it's a good Friday when you know the end of the story. And they said, why is Good Friday good? Because it's just the beginning of the story. And tonight is just the beginning of the story as we look and remember how he took our place, how he died for us. He became our substitute, taking the sin debt, paying the sin debt that you and I could not pay. I was guilty. Still am guilty. He was innocent, yet willingly Jesus chose to take each and every one of our places. Over this weekend, we're going to look at his story. We're going to look at the story of Jesus. But in order to do that, we've got to know the main character, Jesus, in the story. So many of us know the stories of, but we need to know the one of the stories. We need to know Jesus in our lives. And what do we know about him? I wonder if you've ever thought about that. What do you know about God? We're probably pretty safe to say that most of us here have some type of knowledge of him. We maybe know him from a story that we heard many years ago. We we know him from someone who prayed with us and shared a thought with us. We know 
some of the words that Jesus said. Maybe we've quoted those. As we've said, you've got to love other people and do good to people. The golden rule is in the Word of God. Did you know that? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. But sadly for some, it may not be good thoughts. It may not be a good image of what they think Jesus is. As I I realize this, many people's opinion of Jesus is based on others' opinions. Come on, we listen to what other people have said. We look at others around us, which is a second-hand knowledge, which can be both good and bad. If someone's had a good experience, they're going to hopefully share a good experience. But what if that person's had a bad experience? They're not going to share how great God is and how awesome He is. So we've got to be very careful when it comes to opinions, especially that of others, because I don't want to determine my eternity based on someone else's opinion when I can know for myself. Another thing that we look to and is others' interpretation, the interpretation that other people have said and, and how someone processes the situation and circumstances in the court of law. If there's an accident, they ask for witnesses. And the reason why they ask for witnesses, plural, is this. You can stand up and testify your image, your interpretation, how you perceived it to happen. But what do they want to hear? They want to hear the whole picture. So they'll take other people who have a different interpretation. They see it from a different angle. They saw it from a different way. And it's so easy for every one of us to see what we only want to see, which is often not the entire truth. And others draw a conclusion based on their experiences, good or bad, which again is not something I'm willing to allow my eternity and my destiny to be on someone else's interpretation of what they think Jesus to be. And what about this? We, we, we can know God from others' preferences. We all have different preferences when it comes to food, colors, um, cars, houses, uh, just so many different things. There's preferences that we have. And so many times we can allow what someone else feels or what they sense, or what they believe to be true, to influence us and impact us in in such a powerful way. And what do we know about our feelings? They're going to lie to us. Feelings will lie to us on a regular basis. So what do you feel like? Your preferences so many times can be wrong. Here's another way that we take information of Christ. We look at other people's pain. What do I mean by that? People have gone through a loss. They've gone through a heartache. He's a bad God. He's not a good God. Because if he was, then why would all these things be happening to me? It's amazing. Has anyone in here ever had a bad meal? Come on, let me see. Gone out for a restaurant, had a bad meal. Can can I ask you a question? Did it ever stop you from eating again? No, it didn't. You had a bad experience. So what did you do? Not going back to perhaps that restaurant. Going to stay away from that type of food because obviously it didn't agree with me. But it never stopped us. Maybe made us more cautious, but it never stopped us. We are still eating. Isn't it amazing? People can have a bad experience with God. And listen, the experience is on their end, not with God. And what can they do? They can just turn off and shut off and completely say, I don't want any more of that. 
You see, life definitely has its fair share of bad experiences and moments. It happens to the best of us. In fact, the Bible says this, it rains on the just and the unjust. But what you've got to realize of a moment is exactly that. It's a moment. It's a snapshot in the movie of your life. Don't base your future on something that happens as a moment. But look at the big picture. And that's what we pray that you'll do today. Because Psalms 30 and verse 5 says this. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. Come on. We, we, we don't, don't give up. Don't despair. I don't like it. I don't like the interpretation, the, the opinions, all these things. Jesus is just a fake. He's a phony. Come on. That may be a momentary thought inside of your life. But give him a chance. Listen tonight. Hear the words. And I know that I've maybe laid this foundation a little bit longer than normal. But we need to know today truly who Jesus is. We need to know the main character of his story. His story. So let's jump into the Easter story today. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 27 and beginning in verse 32. And you can follow on with the screen with us. Matthew 27, 32 beginning. And it says, now they came out. And they found a man of Cyrene. Jesus has been tortured. He's been beaten. He's been whipped and scourged. Paraded before all of those. Pilate puts him with a criminal. And they ask the crowd, who do you want? And paid by the religious leaders of the day, that people began to cry out, give us Barabbas. And crucify Christ. So here he is now as they are leaving the city and they are now going to crucify him. They find Simon by name, a man that they compelled to carry the cross of Christ. And when he had come to the place called Golgotha, that is the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and they divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments amongst them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Incidentally, that's just one of over 200 prophecies spoken of and fulfilled in the life and the death of Christ. These prophecies spoken centuries before, even down to the fact of what they did with his clothing as he hung upon the cross. Verse 36, And sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then the two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. One translation says they passed by shouting abuse shaking their heads in mockery towards Christ. And they said these words, You who will destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Because that's something that Jesus has said. 
He had foretold his death. That the temple, they were looking at the Jewish temple. They were looking at the temple of Jerusalem, a magnificent building. How could that be destroyed and rebuilt in three days? But Jesus wasn't talking about an earthly temple. He was talking about his body, the temple that was going to be given for each and every one of us. And here's the main passage that I want to see today. Verse 40. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. If you really are who you say you are, how do we know you're the real deal? If you are, then prove it to us. Show us. Just come off the cross and we'll believe you. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priests also mocking him with the scribes and the elders. They said he saved him. They saved others, rather. It's amazing, isn't it? The the statement that they're making. They couldn't deny the fact of the miracles that Jesus did. They saw it with their own eyes. They stood again and said he saved others. They are really proclaiming who he is and they don't even know who he is. You saved others, they said, but himself he cannot save. If you are the king of Israel, come down from the cross. And notice the last words. Then we will believe you. All you have to do, Jesus, is just come off the cross and we'll believe you. If you really are Jesus, if you're the one, come down. Save yourself. It's amazing that Satan, his goal has always been for mankind to question God. In the garden we see that. Did God really say? He begins at the beginning, getting Adam and Eve to question God. And we know the result of that. Didn't go too well. He wants us to question the existence of God, who He is, but more important than just who He is, but who He wants to be for us, the plan that He has for mankind, for my life, for your life. So here's the religious leaders of that day. They're waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for Him. They didn't recognize who He was. They were recognizing or looking for a Messiah. But what they were looking for was an earthly king. They wanted someone to come in and defeat the Romans to raise up an army, to be victorious here on this earth. And when Jesus wasn't that king, they rejected him. They couldn't see him for who he was. So they tried to eliminate the threat that he was to them. And they had him crucified. I'm so glad, though, that he wasn't on the cross just for them to believe. He could have come down and they would have said, oh, we believe. But listen, he wasn't on the cross just for them to believe. He was on the cross to redeem mankind. He was on the cross so that you and I, you right now can believe in him. And that's why he had to remain up there. I think if you were to hear the account of Jesus and just to hear the words that he would say, it would go something like this. I was willing to be misunderstood. I was willing to be rejected. Beaten and crucified for you. So, 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 you can truly know for yourself who I am as you can truly know me. So what do we know of Jesus? First thing we know about Jesus is this. He was born of a virgin. We know the Christmas story. 
Luke 1.26, Now in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the end of verse 28 says, Rejoice, you highly favored one, the angel said. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. I'm sure you know the story. Mary says, but how can this be? Uh, I, I don't know a man. How can this be? And the angel says, the one who will be born of you will be different to anyone else who has ever been born. Because this one who will be born to you will be the Son of God. The Son of God. The Son of God. And he had to be born that way. The reason why he had to be born that way is he had to come as a man to redeem mankind. He was the Savior who was born to be our Redeemer. You see, here's the second part of the message. He became a man. Willingly, he became a man. Philippians beginning in chapter, uh, verse 5 of chapter 2, Philippians 2, 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, New Living Translation says, though he was God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I love this, and you need to catch this because it's very important. Though he was God, he willingly chose to let go of that, not to cling on to that, not to hold on to that, but to let go of all of those things. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. Gave up every divine privilege that he ever had. And what did he do? He took on the form of a bondservant. And he came in the likeness of men as he was born a human being. And verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Jesus was willing to die a criminal's death on a cross for you and I. It's pretty amazing to think that Isaiah said that 600 years earlier. 600 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah spoke and foretold that Christ would come and that he would die upon a cross. And it's pretty amazing when you realize that crucifixion 600 years before Christ wasn't even something that they did. It wasn't till centuries later that the Romans brought that in and that Act and that cruel act of torture and death was brought in. So here's someone 600 years earlier foretelling that Christ would be crucified, something not even known of. How could that be? Unless God was involved. And it's also written in the Psalms. And here's my thought. My brain can be scary at times, but let's go in there. My thought is this. Even down to the cross, Christ fulfilled the prophecies spoken. Some 200 prophecies spoken of his life. If he wasn't the real deal, Satan would have stopped him and been able to stop him from fulfilling even just one of those prophecies. But you see, Satan couldn't stop even one of the prophecies being fulfilled. 
but yet 200 plus were fulfilled through the life of Christ. I believe just with the fact that Satan cannot stop, it shows the fact of the truth of God and the reality of his life. Because how could Christ, who was born in a major, how could he determine where he was going to be born? But yet his birth fulfilled prophecy. Oh, I think Satan could have hooked them up in a room. Come on now, in in Bethlehem. Satan just vacates a room. There you go, screwed that one up. You were born, what? In the Motel 6, not in the manger. (laughs) Satan couldn't stop it. Nothing he has done has been able to stop it. Why? Because he has no power over God's Word. And even in their quest to try to blaspheme and ridicule and laugh at Jesus, as they said, if you really are who you say you are, come down. That was fulfilling Scripture too. Because the Bible speaks in Isaiah that when he was hung upon a cross, they would rebuke him, ridicule him, laugh at him and question exactly everything about him. How amazing that here they are thinking they're destroying Christ, but all they're really doing is confirming the fact that he is really real and he is really true Christ being a man is is so important for every one of us John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God but then verse 14 says and the word became flesh and came and dwelt amongst us You see, the reason why Jesus came as a man is this. He wants to be like us. He wanted to feel what we feel. He wanted to know how we know. He wanted to sympathize with us and feel our pain. We often don't know that about Jesus. We think of him as this egotistical monster up in heaven, just waiting for us just to take one step out and then, bam, just send a lightning bolt and take us off the face of the earth. But no, he chose to come and to have feelings just like you and I, to feel pain, to feel sadness, to feel grief. And he did all of that for what reason? So that we could have freedom and deliverance. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But what about John 3.17? The next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, But he came to feel, to see, to be what we are. What? To be the saviour for us, that the world through him might be saved. I love this scripture from Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest, a mediator, someone who stands between us and God, who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, for he was in all points tempted as we are. But catch this. Yet without sin. That's the difference he has to you and I. Because I can hardly wake up in the morning and before I put my feet out of bed, I've probably sinned three times. Come on now. But yet he was without sin. Everything he did, he was spotless. He had to be that so he could pay the price for you and I. He came to know that our struggles are real. To feel as we feel, but to make a way out for us. He said those words in John 14 and verse 6. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's not a way. He's the way. 
And I think it's pretty interesting because he is saying this because Thomas has just said, Jesus has been talking about heaven and, and, and all these great things. And, and Thomas is like, how do we know where to go? How do we really know, Thomas is saying, that you're the real deal? He's questioning and Jesus says, here's how you know, I'm the way. I am the truth and that I am the life. Jesus said, you can trust me, Thomas. Tonight, you can trust him that he is the way. So he came as a man so he could feel and know what we face, yet without sin. Why? Because he came to be our Savior. The last part of the message tonight, he is the Savior. He didn't become a savior. He is the savior. He was born the savior of the world. But listen, just because he was born the savior of the world, he still had to make a choice. Just like you and I, we have to make a choice. He had to choose whether to be that or not. And we see this in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was about to be crucified and knowing his death was imminent and what he was going to have to face. The Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 39, he went a little further. Man, I could preach that passage for weeks right there. Because just think about this. He's brokenhearted. He's distressed. How do we do if we're feeling like that? I'm not going out tonight. No, I'm not going to answer my phone. Come on. No, I don't want to. Just leave me alone. Just... Clear off. Get out. But what do we see of Jesus? He goes a little bit further. Come on, that's the love He has for every one of us, that He's willing to step out of His pain, His grief, and His moment to step into our pain, our grief, and our moment. That He stepped in to a place for you and I. And when He stepped in, He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering, the thought, be passed from me. But notice, He doesn't wait, and He doesn't plead, and He doesn't say, come on, God, what are you up with? He's first and straight away says this, nevertheless, it's not what I want. God, it's what you want. And I make a choice right now to fulfill everything that was spoken of me and spoken of my life. And I make a choice to be the savior for mankind. Some people have said that Jesus was trying to get out of it, that Jesus was trying to avoid it. I don't believe that. I believe what he was doing was saying, God, I am ready to give my life freely. He was surrendering his will over to the plan of God. To really look at the life of Jesus and try and tell you everything that he is in just a short message is virtually impossible. Because words cannot even begin to describe and explain his story of the greatness, of the care, of the love, of the compassion, the desire that He has for every one of us, the ability to work in our lives and to take us from a has-been to a what? A life that's anew. To give us peace in the midst of our greatest struggle. To give us strength when we feel so weak. To lift us up and encourage us when we're down and discouraged. And we don't get good news and things aren't looking good. He's our encouragement. He's our hope. He's our tomorrow. He's our future. He's my joy, which is greater than happiness. Because happiness is happenings. 
joy is despite the circumstances. He wants to be that peace inside of us. He wants to be my blessing. He wants to be the fullness of my life. He wants to be my healer no matter what I face and go through. He is what? The healer of my life. He's my deliverance. When I couldn't make it on my own and didn't know what to do, Jesus stepped out and He said, I know what to do and I'm going to do it for you. And He went ahead of each and every one of us as our deliverer. Come on, He's the power that I need to wake up in the morning. He's the power that I need to be the parent and the spouse. Come on, He's the power that I need to have the boldness in my life. He's the acceptance that I have when I look at myself. And I see myself as a sinner. I see myself failing so many times, but yet He accepts me. He's the victory that I need in my life. He's my future. We have everything in Him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is everything. We're going to look more at His story on Sunday and hope that you can be with us at 9 and 11 o'clock. But what I want to do tonight is I just want to close with this. What's the probability of Christ being who he says he really is? What is, what is the probability? Come on, if we're going to look at it and, and we're going to line it all up, what really is the probability? Well, you know what? Some scientists asked that question. They looked at the probability of the prophecy of scriptures and they took it and they pieced it together. The 200 scriptures, the prophecies of Jesus Christ, his story in the mid-1900s, a science professor named Peter Stoner published a book entitled Science Speaks. And science was speaking about something very specific. It was discussing the prophecies of Christ in light of scientific probability. Listen to me, these weren't Bible scholars. These weren't people who had a bent agenda, who saying, well, we've got to prove it because that's what we believe, so we've got to prove it that way. He took 600 scientists from 12 different classes, from all over, and he put them together. And he, he asked them a question. He said, in our assessments, in our studies, in everything that we do, what is the probability? And they began small. What would be the probability of Christ fulfilling eight of the 200 plus prophecies that were spoken of him in his life? The eight they chose was this, that he would be born in Bethlehem. You'll see in parentheses where it was prophesied and you'll see where it was fulfilled. The second one was when he would be preceded by a messenger. John the Baptist came. He prepared the way. It was prophesied and it was fulfilled. How he entered into Jerusalem on a donkey and not just any donkey, a colt. A donkey upon which no one had ever ridden before. How specific is that? Prophesied centuries earlier, fulfilled that he would be betrayed by a friend. Prophesied and fulfilled. Sold for 30 pieces of silver. Can you see how detailed every prophecy is? The money that was given to Judas. 
When Judas realized what he had done, he went back to the temple and he tried to give it back and they wouldn't take it or they couldn't take it again. And they said, what do we do with this money? And the only thing they could do was they said, let's buy a potter's field. Huh. Prophesied of scripture that they would take the money and buy the potter's field. That he would be silent before his accusers. The Bible says that Pilate marveled when Jesus stood before him. For what reason? He had never had someone stand before him without trying to defend their case. Even if they were guilty, they were trying to defend their case. But the Bible says that Jesus opened not his mouth. Prophesied. I mean, how, how can that happen? How? I mean, really? They didn't have all the technology that we have now. He couldn't Google it. Jesus couldn't Google it and say, how do I need to act when they're about to crucify me? You've got to keep your mouth shut. And you... There was no records to go back to. And that he would be executed and crucified as a thief. Prophecy even says that a thief would be beside him. Prophesied and fulfilled. So they looked at the probability. Let me have my bucket, can you, Michael? Probability is something that I'm sure every one of us understands. Instead of balls, I've got some Easter eggs. Is that cool, since it's Easter? And in this bucket, what I have is I have ten eggs. I have nine yellow eggs, and I have one blue. Probability says this, that with ten in here, that any time I pick out an egg, I have a one in... One in ten. Someone's not paying attention. (laughs) Put that boy back to school. One in ten chance of drawing out that egg. Oh, wrong. Hello. Have a one in ten chance. So probability says uh, there's a chance. What the scientists proved was that in order for Christ to fulfill just eight of over 200 prophecies, here's their conclusion. Look what they said. We find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time, not just when Jesus lived, but from the time 2,000 plus years from then to now, the probability of any man living in any of that time and fulfilling all eight of those prophecies is this. One to one to the 17 zeros. That's a big number right there. I know my mind can't compute that and figure that out. That's a whole lot of zeros. I wish that was on my bank account. Amen. And handle that. I'd, I'd give you a couple of zeros if I had that many zeros in my bank account. But that number is so big. Let, let, can I try and help you with that number? If we were to take that number and go out and buy silver dollars, I don't have a silver dollar, but I have got a coin here right now. If we were to go out and buy silver dollars for that number, what we would realize is this. There would not be a building in this world big enough to contain all of those silver dollars. One for every one of that number. In fact, in fact, The only way that enormous volume could be contained would be if the state of Texas allowed us to fill it full 
two feet deep from every border of that state. Two feet deep. About the height of the platform were just silver dollar coins. And here's the probability. Take one of those coins, put a cross on it, blindfold someone, put them in a helicopter to fly over the state of Texas because we've now shuffled it and somewhere in two feet of the state of Texas is just one coin. And that person blindfolded flying over the state would say, stop, lower me down. The blindfolded would exit that airplane or helicopter and would bend down and dig and be able to pull out just that one coin. That one coin. Basically, here's what they concluded. Are you ready? This means that the fulfillment of these eight prophecies alone proves that God inspired the writing of those prophecies to a definiteness which lacks only one in one to 17 zeros. I'm not a betting man, but if you're a betting man, I'm not putting my money or my odds on that. Come on now. I'm just not. I'm just not. And I won't. But what we've got to realize tonight, we're not just talking about money. It's not just money we have to lose. It's our life. And it's our eternity. If you are who you say you are, I'm telling you right now, he's Jesus. He is Jesus. His story proves that. But his story also wants to make way for a new story. Your story tonight. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I love how the New Living Translation says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is what? Gone? And a new life has begun. A new story can begin today. Your new story can believe begin today. You can trust Him. You can trust Him that He's everything that He says He is. Don't trust others' opinions. Don't trust others' interpretations, preferences, the pain that they've gone through. Because you can look at all those things and say, am I willing to put my life in all of those? Or how much better would it be for me to put my life into the truth? I'm telling you right now, are you ready? It takes a whole lot more faith to disbelieve than it does to believe. When you see the facts and you know the truth, we see all over this world. The picture of Christ. The love of Christ. The life of Christ. So today it's your choice. Would you bow your heads all over this place? If you are who you say you are, He is. He is. And here's what I would say to you tonight. Give him a chance. 
to be who he is. Don't be like those religious leaders that say, hey, you saved everyone else. They were testifying of the fact of the miracles, things that they couldn't do. They they couldn't understand everything he did. How can you take five loaves and two fish and feed 20 plus thousand people? It doesn't happen. And all he did was looked up to heaven and prayed and blessed it. It doesn't happen. And that's why they tried to destroy him. They thought they could get him out of the way because they had no answer for him. And it's so sad that they had no answer for him, but he was the answer for them. They had no answer for him, but he was the answer for them. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.